welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you saying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. So let's get right into it. Today we are discussing Elder Gong's talk labeled, it's just called Ministry. <laughs> that's just the whole title. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it. So, as always, I encourage you to listen to and or read this talk um, on your own individually before you come and listen to me talk about it so that you can get your own insights and inspiration and questions um, that time around and then maybe I can add something to it. But I'm going to jump right in. Like I said, it's pretty straightforward. It's all about ministering. And Elder Gong starts by, he shares a couple of stories from some people that he and his wife met in October conference of last year. And some stories also of like close friends that they know or people that they you know met during the pandemic um, or just um, during their time um, during his time as an apostle and I really loved this just little one sentence paragraph that they have that he has the very beginning of his talk kind of in between some of these um, stories, he says this, as followers of Jesus Christ, we seek to minister to others as he would because lives are waiting to change. And I thought that was really a very simple way and beautiful way to, to say that, to talk about ministering. And just, I don't know, like, not sure how to how to like convey my feelings about that just one sentence we minister to others as christ would because lives are waiting to change i think about in my own life people who have ministered to me and have changed my life or have impacted my life um my husband and i recently moved to a new stake a new ward a new state like <laughs> Far, far away from where we were living before and we didn't really know anybody he knew a couple of people his grandparents had lived in this ward and so we have some connections um, in that way but you know personally we didn't know anybody and I believe it was our first week here and I can't remember if we had been to church yet we must have been to church that Sunday, so it must have been like like 10 days after we got here. Um, our neighbor, who is also in our ward, she stopped by, well, she texted me, and then she stopped by and told me about a Relief Society activity that was happening that night. And invited me to go, and also like promised that she would sit with me the whole time said I had somebody that I knew to like sit and talk to. And I 
very much debated whether I should go or not because I don't do well with new people and new social situations. I have social anxiety and so it's really hard for me to just show up at a new ward, at least when I went to church, I had my husband with me and so I had somebody who I did know, but the thought of going to a Relief Society activity where I literally knew no one um, was really terrifying <laughs> and but I did my husband was like you should go you should meet people and because she had said that because she had said I will sit with you the whole time like don't worry I'll, I'll make sure that you you know that you can hang out with me and you'll, you'll know somebody you'll have somebody that you can spend time with um, I think that's honestly the only reason I went. If she had just invited me, maybe I still would have gone because she did, she did like go out of her way to um, come to our house. But it was, it was, it was just really, and I went, I went and I spent a lot of time with her. Um, it was, what was it that night? They were doing like an auction thing, like a silent auction, or no, it was like a swap meet. So you could, you brought stuff and then you could go and look at stuff and see and you know take what you wanted. So I was able to help her like bring all of her stuff in, and it just like and I did. I sat with her the whole time, and she introduced me to people and um, asked more about me, and I got to know her a little bit better and. Since then, she's been a great friend to us. Um, I currently serve with her in the Young Women's Presidency. She's the president and I'm the secretary. And I adore serving with her because she is so sweet and so kind. And so, um, and I know that I can go to her. I mean, it's why it's really nice that she's literally my neighbor. She lives right down the street. Um, but like it's been nice to have somebody that I know and she's come up and she's talked to me in you know she comes over and talks to us at sacrament meeting all the time and I mean now of course I serve with her so I see her you know, at least once or twice a week and um anyway it's just but I will never forget her coming over that very first time and inviting me and sitting with me and like and loving me and making me feel welcome and loved and served and it was that is ministering to me like I don't think anybody assigned her to do that even if they did I think she would have just done that herself because that's just who she is she's such a service-oriented person but it wasn't like I was assigned as her ministering sister, right? She wasn't assigned to minister to me. She just knew somehow that I was new and that I would maybe not know that there, I didn't know there was really society activity. They didn't, I don't think, I think we had Sunday school that said that first Sunday. And so I didn't know that it was happening and then I wouldn't know anybody. <laughs> and so <clears throat> she, you know, went out of her busy, busy day to come and, and invite me and then to follow through and sit with me and like make sure I was okay and 
seriously i will never forget that and i've had a lot of experiences there's been there's a younger couple that we've gotten to know fairly well um when i was a little boy and i don't remember exactly how we met them like i don't remember the first meeting we had with them but we ended up sitting in their pew and it was just them and their little boy and my husband loves their little boy and their son and he loves Ashton and he loves me and he is just so cute he'll just like come over and show us his toys and um so we've been sitting with them in their pew and just that it's been like that's a big thing is I have somebody to sit with which is so funny but it is and they ask how we're doing and it's not like we're like best best friends I don't see her every day but I know that I if I ever needed something I could ask her and that was really cool there was even one Sunday last year my husband was out of town and I was kind of like not look I was not looking forward to going to church by myself <laughs> um just in general and but I sat with him with them and it was just the girl the woman and her son her husband wasn't there and so it was just the three of us but her son came over and they, she gave me some fruit snacks and we sat together and I hung out with her son. And it was just so, like, it was such a testament to me that, like, God knows me and he knows that I need stuff like that. I need a reminder that I'm not alone. Um, and he knew that day was going to be hard for me, but... Like I had, I had somebody to sit with. I wasn't completely alone. So I just love that, that the, the pure, simple definition of ministering is to reach out to people and to love them the way that they need to be loved. And it's going to look different for everybody. And that's kind of this whole talk, right? Is he's talking, he's sharing all these very different experiences, very different stories of how people came to find the gospel in the first place or to be supported by members of the church during hard times during faith crises like they're all very different and the way that they were ministered to is very different and he has a quote from he quotes well, part of this is from James, and part of this is from the Doctrine and Covenants. And he says this, Pure religion and undefiled is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows, succor the weak, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees. And that's... It just speaks for itself, right? <laughs> As pure religion, pure undefiled religion. And that's the difference between spirituality and like having faith in God and having an organized religion. Um, it's the organized part that we have an organization that we have callings and we have assignments and that's in an organized way that everybody kind of knows what's going on and <clears throat> that the, our service is organized and like whatever i i told this story before but 
it's one of my favorite memories for my mission and I think it applies here too. This was, we were still, um, let's see, we were like four months into COVID, four months into the pandemic and we had just been told that we could go into members' homes again, into people's homes again. We weren't allowed to go into people's homes for about four or five months. And so if we were invited, we could go over to members' homes. Um, we couldn't just go and show up at somebody's house, right? So, but that meant we could do member dinners again in their house. Um, we could do, we did a lot of member lessons, which was so amazing. And it was, it was so nice to be back in people's homes and to be able to like leave our house and leave our church buildings. But we were also told we could start doing service projects again, like group service projects. We've been doing service during the pandemic because sometimes there wasn't really anything else to do. So like my companions and I, my last area, we were making um, hats for the homeless shelter. So like the stake service coordinator had a bunch of yarn and those hat looms that we would go and we trade out yarn with her every couple of weeks. And we'd sit and watch like the Book of Mormon videos or um, general conference. We did a lot with general conference. Um, and we'd sit and make those and then and she would take them to the homeless shelters. And so we had been doing little service projects like that, but not, you know, as a zone or as a district, not with a lot of other missionaries because we weren't supposed to gather. So, so we got a new service coordinator for the mission, a just serve coordinator specifically, which is really cool. And we got a call from her, our zone leaders got a call from her one day and said, hey, we need a we need a whole zone of missionaries to come and help. And there was this neighborhood in our zone area. I had never served in, but it was in our zone. And it was, there was a, an empty lot on the street that the, the house had been torn down. And then there was like the, where the basement had been, I believe or at least like where the foundation, there was a big pit in the ground, basically. And the people of the street had been like wanting and begging the city to clean it up because homeless people had started living there, <laughs> using it. And people had just started dumping their garbage. Like we pulled out like carpets and just like we had a, there was a, grocery cart in there like just dump it was gross and it was nasty and so the people on the street the people in that neighborhood had been begging the city and they hadn't done anything about it and so finally they had talked to like a police officer who had talked to another police officer who was like oh well missionaries could help and they won't charge anything we'll do it all for free and so they got in, in touch with our service coordinator and she got in touch with us and we showed up they had gotten the roll-off dumpster and they had a police officer there to kind of oversee us, make sure we did everything right, we didn't do anything wrong. And I think it took us about two hours. There were probably 16 missionaries, 20 missionaries in all. It took us about two hours to get as much out there as we possibly could. And we could have done more actually, but there was a couple like big pieces that our zone leader had gone to talk to 
police officer and he was just standing there and he was like okay we're just gonna like try and get these last couple of things out and we're gonna be done is there anything else we want you want us to do and he was like no you've done so much more than we thought you were gonna be able to do like you have done you've gone above and beyond that is you're you're good you're good and somebody on the street brought us popsicles <laughs> and I got to wear the helping hands vests the yellow helping hands vests and a couple of people on the street came over to thank us for like thank you so much this has been so like so long coming a long time coming and we're so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to come and help us and like obviously that's doable outside of an organized religion that's that's doable outside of an organization but it's easier when you already have that organization you have service coordinator right who can call his own leader who can call his missionaries and say yep be at this place at this time on friday or whatever and get it done because of course many times make light work with so many of us there it didn't take us very long and so anyway <clears throat> the organized and organized religion is very very important um but that is our our duty is to visit the fatherless and widows, to succor the weak, to lift up the hands which hang down, and to strengthen the feeble knees. We need each other. Whatever context that might look like, inside or outside of religion, whether it's my neighbor who is you know, atheist, or my best friend who's, who doesn't want to talk about church, or whatever, right? We need each other as people to to be human <laughs> that is we are not put on this earth to be alone why do you think that god organized us into families and into communities and it's so important to have people and to ask for help as well that's a really hard thing to do is to ask for help i had my ministering sister texted me the other day and it was so sweet and i had to get back to her about when we can actually meet up but she was like i know it's hard to make friends in this town sometimes i'm having a hard time making friends i'd love to get to know you better and i'm sure that was really hard for her to say i need help because she's the one that's ministering to me Right? I'm not the one ministering to her, but I was so grateful that she said that. And I was like, oh, I'm not a burden. <laughs> like I'm helping you too. It's mutually, mutually beneficial, right? We just, we need each other. Anyway, um, he also talks about, I really loved this. There was a, an elders corn president in Hong Kong that they met who talked about um, he said, we do not check boxes, we minister to the ministers who care for our people. And I also love that too. Sometimes I feel like, I mean, everybody should, right, should be having people they minister to, but everybody also should have people that minister to them. And um, I just had my first, I'm really terrible at ministering <laughs> you have no idea so terrible at ministering but i had my first ministering interview a couple months ago and one my early study president was very understanding she was like it's totally okay like you don't have to be perfect at it 
and then she asked how I was doing and like I have great ministry sisters like I just said I talked to her at least every couple weeks she texts me and asks how I'm doing she brought flowers to me the other day which made me really happy um but it was also nice to be checked in with again kind of a you know how are you how's life how's your husband how's whatever how are you settling in and even though we've been here for a year but like how are you settling in because sometimes I don't still don't feel settled here um but I also just love that we minister to the ministers who take care of our people and I think that's important sometimes we look at somebody who seems strong in the gospel who seems strong in the church who you think would never stray who you think would never who think their life is perfect right well we talked about that last episode with elder carl b cook's talk he shared that story of that woman who was in a relief society and the teacher was she perceived her to be perfect had this like perfect life and she just could not sit there while she felt so imperfect so she left and I feel like that happens a lot. We look at people in the church and we think that they're perfect. Their faith is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And we, I, I guess we just uh, need to be aware of that and aware that, you know, it's okay to struggle and it's important to also check in with the people who you think are perfect or think are doing just great like everybody needs to be checked in on anyway okay so he shares a few more he, this is really all stories so i'm not gonna like read a whole lot of stuff because they really are just a bunch of stories that, um, not just a bunch of stories, but <clears throat> a lot of different stories that I think you should read on your own time to just hear about them. But he, he talks about young men and young women <clears throat> being given opportunities to minister. He says, please give our young men and young women needed opportunity to accompany and be mentored by experienced ministering brothers and sisters and please let our young rising generation inspire ministering brother and sister companions and <clears throat> so as i've said i'm in the young woman presidency i'm the secretary and we've had a lot of discussions about that about you know having the young women be more involved in ministering um, some of them have um assignments and some of them don't but it is important like that's that's a change I part of the reason I'm so bad at ministering is that I never got into the habit of it um they changed it to ministering from visiting and home teaching let's see how old was I I was it was right before my mission I left it was a year before I left on my mission they changed it to ministering so i was just barely a young adult or a wise a young single adult i think i was i'm trying to, i would uh it was a couple months before i turned 20. and i had never had a visiting or home teaching assignment before and they changed it to ministering and then my release society president asked me probably six months later 
you know, do you want to have a ministering assignment? And I was very honest with her. I was in the middle of putting in all of my mission papers and I wasn't sure when I was going to be leaving. And so I told her that I was like, I don't know when I'm gonna be leaving my mission and I don't want to have you like assign me somebody and then have to leave in two months or whatever, right? Maybe that was the wrong decision, but I was also just very overwhelmed with like missions and everything. And she, she completely understood. Um, and then I was a missionary. And so I, I didn't have ministering assignments as a missionary. And then when I got home, it was still pretty like COVID-y. <laughs> we, we didn't have church. And then I moved and then I moved again and I got married. And so like I've had ministering assignments since then. I've had them since my mission. I've had a couple. But I just have never been in the habit of actually like doing that and everything. And so I think having that habit kind of start as a young woman, having the experience, also if they are deciding to go on a mission, to have the experience of going and talking to people, um, to be mentored by you know older people in the ward, to be paired with those people. And I love at the end he says, and please let our young rising generation inspire ministering brother and sister companions that we are also learning. There's so much we can learn from the youth. Um, so I just echo that. Like it's very, I think it's very important to involve the youth in, like I loved bringing youth along to appointments as a missionary, <laughs> having their testimony and having, um, and hearing them bear their testimony is very, very powerful. So, Um, so yes, he kind of pleads, he pleads with us to be better at ministering and he gives this analogy with, um, the vineyard in the book of Mormon, the um, um, Jacob five, he says this, he says, inspired ministering blesses families and individuals. It also strengthens words and branches. Think of your ward or branch as a spiritual ecosystem. In the spirit of the Book of Mormon, allegory of the olive trees, the Lord of the vineyard and his servants bring forth precious fruit and strengthen each tree by binding together the strengths and weaknesses of all the trees. The Lord of the vineyard and his servants repeat, repeatedly ask, what more can I do? Together they bless hearts and homes, wards and branches through inspired, consistent ministering. And I love that because, I mean, there are a lot of ways to interpret the allegory of the vineyard in Jacob 5. And make sure I'm actually saying the right chapter. Yes, okay. <laughs> I am saying the right chapter. Um, but I also love that, that like our wars and branches. And that also includes, you know, not just members but also non-members and to minister and to ask what more can I do? And that's kind of, I'll read this last, his last kind of invitation plea, kind of at the very end, he says, 
Wherever we are in this Easter season, let us reach out and care as our Savior would, especially to those whom we are privileged by love and assignment to minister. And I love that he, he says love and assignment. Um, yes, we have people who we are assigned to minister to in our wards, but there are also people who are around us who we can just minister to because they're important to us or because there are people and we can love them and support them, our neighbors, our friends, even people who don't live around us, right? We can minister to them. And so that's just, that's my question for you is how can you minister to those around you? And I've talked about this before and I've got, it's gonna be a theme for this season. I can feel it. I like I've already said it in every episode I've done so far. Work smarter, not harder. That is my motto for life in general. And it's something that is very important for me and very, it's like a, uh, something that I'm very passionate about. And I don't think this needs to be a work harder plea. Maybe it is. I think it's a work harder plea for me. I don't do ministering. I need to actually do my ministering, right? <clears throat> but also, if you're already ministering, what else can you do? What can you do differently? Or maybe you're already doing everything that you think you can be doing. That's okay, too. But I've talked about this with regards to like studying and things like that or going to the temple or whatever. Sister Corden talked in her talk about intention. There's a difference between going to sacrament meeting and just sitting there and worshiping in sacrament meeting or worshiping in the temple rather than just going. And like the first, the just going is good. But even if you do something different, maybe you don't have the time to go more times to the temple, right? But when you do go, you go with intention. And that might be something that you can put towards ministering as well. Ministering is so interesting to me. It's one of those things that we have changed, that President Nelson has changed since he's become prophet. And it's another one of those things that uses, that channels that hear him, personal relationship, personal revelation idea, theme that President Nelson has had in his prophetship, <laughs> his, his time of being a prophet. That it's not as rigidly, like, it's not laid out exactly what you should do, right? You're supposed to have contact with him. Right? And then you talk to your, you still, there's, it's the same thing as home teaching and visiting teaching. It's the same concept. You're assigned to a person or a family. And then once every, was it three months, every quarter, you have an interview, ministering interview. It's just called something different. And they don't do like, oh, you saw somebody? Cool. Right? It's not as much of a checklist. It's how you had contact with these people. How are they doing? And, and that's really powerful, and that's how they presented it when they first changed it too, right? Was 
it's less of a checklist. It's not just go over and read a message out of the end sign. It's you, your contact can be just texting or calling, especially if it's that, like that person, that's what they want. Like that's all that they're comfortable with is a phone call or a text. When I first met my ministering sisters, they asked that. They're like, would that be something that you're comfortable with? A visit from us? Or do you want to just keep it like over the phone or seeing each other at church? And I was really appreciative of that because there are some, it's stressful to have host in your home. It's stressful to have people in your home. It's stressful to have everything looking, you know, that it's not dirty and messy and whatever. And so it's just something different. It really is just something different. It looks a little bit different. So, so that's my question for you. How can you minister to those around you? And not just people that you minister to, but your family, your friends, your neighbors, old friends that you only interact with on Facebook and Instagram. How can you minister to them? And that's what is ministering? It is to sucker the weak, lift up the hands of shake down and strengthen the feeble knees to love people where they're at and what they need. So that's all I've got for you for the talk part of it. Um, so question, of course, again, one question, how can you minister to those around you? Um, further reading. This one I literally just said, pay attention to footnotes because there were quite a few footnotes. I'm trying to find the ones that I was talking about. Um, especially with the stories, he has kind of footnotes about like where he met them and um, even some more background on people and kind of things like that, which I thought were interesting to read. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I said, I think because there were so many footnotes that had stuff that I didn't, I didn't list out specific footnotes. He also has a couple of like hymns that he references and a bunch of scriptures as well. Um, anyway. So yes, pay attention to footnotes if there's, especially if there's like a specific story that resonates with you or scripture that resonates with you, find those in the footnotes and study for them. Those. And there's two talks, there's a talk and a college, uh, Rick's College devotional, which is not Rick's College anymore. Uh, Strive to be Temple Worthy by L. Tom Perry. The Rick's College devotional, September of 1989. He has the link for that in that footnote or at least like where you can find that. And then Ministering by um, President Nelson, the April 2018 General Conference, that's when he announced the ministering change. Um, was his very first conference as prophet, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so if you're looking for something else to study further, those are good, good resources and I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, but that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and or watching, uh, this episode and I hope to see you next time. Be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at General Conference Conversations. 
Um, and if you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment here on YouTube, and um, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on your podcatcher of choice. Leave reviews, tell your friends. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to more people. Have conversations with more people. It's really exciting. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you next time.